Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f- shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f- houses for f- 10 years. It's just you and me today, Conan. Kieran McKeever um, has a vomiting bug, so he had to pull out this morning, so I didn't have time to get somebody else, but I'm sure we'll be, we'll be able to handle it um, together. We're going to do part two on a little bit in Congress, and we'll cover the game. See, to cover the games in weather like this, what <laughs> we, we can't go like Pasquale, who will basically write a team off based on one game in, in hurricane conditions. Like it was, uh, It's incredible stuff. First of all, you'd say congratulations and fair play to anyone who tugged out anyone who sat on a bench or any manager or management team that stood on the sideline <laughs> on a weekend like that. There's no doubt about that. Oh, we had a game on Sunday morning and I kept waking up on Saturday night just checking my phone. <laughs> hoping it was, this is going to be cancelled. Listen to that wind. But we had it hog out as well. And it, was, it unpl- was it difficult to play in it? Or it was, was 3G it? pitch so it was actually alright but ah, right. very windy. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you take the wind in the first half or go into it? <laughs> we, uh, we went into it. Did you concede the kick out going into it? <laughs> Go away, come on. <laughs> we'll start off with Dublin Tyrone quickly. Um, and this had an old fashioned tunnel row, which, look, obviously nobody condones. What were they doing going in together? The reason my theory on why they went in together is because the game was played in such good spirits in the first half, no niggle in it, nothing to suggest this was going to happen in the tunnel, that the two teams felt completely comfortable walking in together because it's always the case now that one team stands out. It's not a rule, they just do it as best practice. And they went in together and it looked like something was said or something happened going in and then they go absolutely flaking each other. Yeah, like it is. It's a bit weird that you can't just assume that they can run in together and nothing happens. A tight tunnel, Tyrone Dublin, something yeah. will happen. And like by all accounts, like Parry Campsey got the black card afterwards. So like you know maybe it was him hitting somebody's shoulder and that started somebody else reacting to Could him. Could have been that. Yeah, he, he looked like he took a bit of punishment in that round. He's meant to be a boxer. Yeah, he did because I saw a camera angle from a fan just up above looking down, and Hamsey was sort of bowled over, and somebody had a grip of his shirt, and he was getting points in the back of the head. And yeah, yeah. So obviously there was fists flying from every direction. Yeah, there was. There was a, there was a few of the Ballymun lads were right in the thick of it over <laughs> on the right hand side because uh, I was uh, well, I was watching on an air. And I think they must have did separate broadcasts because you could clearly see who was involved in it on the air broadcast. And then I was sending on a couple of texts to some of my friends and they were like, it's not, it's out, we're watching an RT and there's, it, it's impossible to tell who it is. So it was, it was interesting. I don't think the camera was conclusive. I just sent a screenshot of faces. I didn't see, it's too difficult to make out who's swinging, although I would have a good idea. I don't want to mention the names because obviously, you know, I'm not going to start mentioning names when I would say the CCCC would find it difficult to punish anyone involved because it was 
not conclusive probably enough yeah there were, there were, to be honest there were too many fists going like from both directions yeah. so it's hard to actually nail down who yeah. was doing it and you see the camera like Colin Kavanagh saw this he had no interest in ever getting up <laughs> yeah. towards it he just started talking to somebody he was happy enough being behind <laughs> well I would be very comfortable yeah. back there <laughs> so, like, there's too many people I can't get in there's absolute madness in there yeah. you don't know whether you're coming or going and in fairness to like Brian Kennedy I think was on the front line as well and Michael McKernan who isn't the, the big biggest, men yeah. Like, yeah but they were, they were all standing the ground but that's what it is though isn't it it's almost like front li- the front line men. I, th- I think they're all lunatics. <laughs> Why do you want to be the first ones in for like that? Maybe they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> they were on, yeah, they didn't choose yeah, to be in the... For sake, Porrig, what, what have you got this into? <laughs> but it was madness, lads. That, or, yeah. Conan, that game shouldn't have gone ahead. It wasn't the right conditions for a game. Um, without banging on about player safety, but it is an issue. Um, you know, I'm not going to blame that on the row, but like the Dean Rock shot, you know, like, I mean, that's crazy yeah. stuff playing Gaelic football. You learn nothing from it. Like, I mean, you have people saying Tyrone went back to, you know, their, what they know based on the Galloway game. They didn't. They just went on because that probably worked that night. How would you get through them? Do you know, even though you'd have to say Dublin looked like the most likely winners until Brennan's brilliant goal. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they decided to put it on. Maybe they just left it too late in the day to call it off and thought there's too many people have come up here let's just get on with it but well they're screwed though if they didn't play it because when do they play it we see Armagh Fermanagh is off um, we don't know yet when that's supposed to be on mm. and there's no spare weekend for it that's going to have to be played midweek they were under a lot of pressure to keep and it was and one of the air sport games and RT games was called off so RT, neither TV would have had any game Saturday yeah. night they were under a lot of pressure to play it I would imagine Nicky Hart wanted to play it because Tyrone wanted to play it obviously because they would have thought they would have had a much better chance of beating Dublin in it so there was a lot of pressure being put on that game being played Yeah I know but like the, like the TV is one thing but you know like RT didn't show the Shamrock Rovers Bowes game because of safety concerns because of the weather like these things these things happened that, that game went ahead even though the weather was so bad right. but, but yeah I don't know it was just so bad the pitch inspection beforehand like I saw a clip of it and the referee was throwing the ball up and it didn't come back up like it just landed in a big puddle of water right. I don't know what they were inspecting <laughs> like would, like are, are, would, you, would you be a conspiracy theorist to say that the referee would be getting a, a phone call from headquarters this game goes ahead <laughs> we can't stand the embarrassment yeah. of you know of trying to yeah ruin an April for clubs again or yeah. like, you know squeezing in there but I, I don't know like I saw a lot of people speculating that Mickey Hart was mad to, to let it go ahead but I don't think Tyrone suit that sort of ground. Well, Niall Morgan said it did. He said maybe conditions played a wee bit in our favour, all right, but we're we're more than happy to get the result. I do think that you don't get through a team with dropping a lot of bodies back in that conditions easily. That's yeah, that's that's a fair point. And the only thing I'd say about Niall Morgan's thing is that they're playing Dublin as well, so you want any sort of advantage you can get if that's dragging them down to a certain level. Well, that's it. You say it's the leveller, you know. Although, like the two goals were absolutely outstanding scores. A friend of mine yesterday said that he thought that uh, Brennan was going for a point. He must be joking. He was going for a goal, and Mickey Hart said that he goes for goals like that and scores them for Trillick all the time. Yeah, like he definitely wasn't going for a point. He rattled onto the roof of the net. Yeah. that was yeah. that was a vicious shot. It was a vicious shot, and obviously uh, Basquel scored a brilliant goal as well. After brilliant work from Merchant and Fitzsimons with a lovely little offload, the two of them. What were they doing up there? But you're playing against <laughs> playing against Tyrone, who were dropping bodies back. Fitzsimons did really well there. Like he's surrounded by three men, and a Colin Cavanaugh was in on him. And usually when that happens, you're you're in trouble. Just the octopus tentacles come around you, and there's no getting out of it. But yeah. Fitzsimons managed to wriggle his way out, and Tyrone probably disappointed because three people have gone around and the ball still popped out. Yeah, the the Donegal Monaghan game was interesting tactically a little bit like without reading again too much into it but Monaghan conceded the kick out wasn't it weird seeing a team conceding a kick out when we have become so accustomed to pressure being put on every (laughs) single one that it it was a throwback to three years ago now again Derry did it to Cork down in Parky Keeve against a strong wind as well conceded the kick out dropped men back I can kind I can understand that I, I despise conceding kickouts and I despise dropping players back in front of the, be ahead of the ball to wait. But against a gale force win, there's a logic to it. Why push up and let Sean Patton do what he did in the second half? We'll talk about that in a minute. Why would you do that? It makes no sense. What are you getting from it? Sean Patton's going to go, they're pushing up. I have a boomer of a kick. This is landing on your 45, mate. I think yeah. tactically Monaghan did the right thing. They did completely wrong thing by putting Kieran Hughes and Michael Murphy. That's madness. 
But the the conceding the kick out, I can't quite get that. Yeah, because Sean Patton could just take 10 or 11 players out with one Completely kick. Completely out. And when you're against the wind and that's what you want, you want to be able to get through the team and it's way harder. You have to get to 30 yards out. Like, actually, you saw Conor McManus refusing to take those frees at the edge of the D. Yeah. Bringing Murray Began up to the edge of the D. So that showed how far they would have had to get in. So... Yeah, I, I do get it. It's a bit of a shame because Patton's so good. <laughs> when you see him just chipping into the cornerback, it's like, ah. Oh. Now we have to wait for them to get up and just the whole game slowed down because of yeah. it. But I know I completely understand why Monaghan did it. Yeah, no, I can understand. And then obviously the big press Monaghan put on um, in the second half, for, this was for the goal. Yeah. So the goal was a classic. Like, what a boomer. Now, the, the wind died down. This is impossible what Patton did. He wouldn't have been able to do that in the first half. Began couldn't do that. And I think Began has a bigger kick than Patton. Um, Began kicked a feckin' 65 against Dublin yeah. for God's sake but it died down Donegal were getting scores easier in the second half they played better they were much better than Monaghan but they were kicking scores from further out so the, the wind died down but there's no way Monaghan imagined that Patton could have hit do you know what I mean that far up the field it was absolutely an incredible kick and then it was moved on so quickly obviously the press this, that's obviously the risk teams are willing to take with an aggressive press. Whether Monaghan should have been doing it when they had a man down seemed a little bit kamikaze. But again, Monaghan would have known what it was like playing into that wind and they would have calculated that, you know, we're probably safe enough based on the fact there's no way he's going to kick it that far and he did. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Willie, what did I tell you? Always go with the wind. <laughs> one of the main reasons because it well, can I'm, die I'm, in the I second half. I always go with the wind too. Would you believe I'm not going to get on about Moor Park? I was in a Moor Park. We'll talk about that in a while. Not only did the wind die down in the second half, it changed direction. <laughs> against, it was against Leeds both yes, times. Yeah. Yes, both times. Now, Kildare were much better. I'll talk about that in a minute. But wasn't it absolutely gas? McBrearty gets on the ball for the goal and Began comes out says right I'm going to take my black card I'm going to pull him down I'm going to be the pantomime villain comes out takes McBrearty down walks away with his back to the play as in look I had to do with everybody McBrearty hops back up continues to play <laughs> so, so not only did he not stop the goal he gets a black card after it yeah. <laughs> he thought he did what he had to do to stop the goal yeah. <laughs> he scored a goal and you're still off mate see you later uh, it was an outstanding piece he, wa- he kept walking like he was just walking like as in you know almost saying to the crowd you shut up you know, you know that yeah. kind of wrestling kind of stuff it was, yeah. a, it was a classic Ryan Wiley uh, got a textbook uh, black um, you would imagine um, in the first half it was, a, it was a clear black card and he tried to proclaim his innocence but it was it was a pull down mm. and it was a counter attack on I was surprised to see him on the sideline then the camera panned to him he's just sat on the sideline in his jersey wearing a bib yeah. is there no better way to keep a man warm for the 10 minutes than that but I assumed that maybe he was just in the middle of a warm up or like you know you've been a sub yourself when you're told to warm up you're like yeah yeah you know I'll go do it but you only just watch the match <laughs> you know rather than running up and down Yeah, I don't know maybe it was just his decision to stand and watch the game rather just than just a bib on him even put a tracksuit yeah. top on or something like I mean geez, hard, he's a hard and then Langan completely stitched him up for his second one I, I didn't think he did I like, thought he played for that now like I, I don't think again I don't, I don't think Langan was looking to get him a card I think sometimes you're going to fall over he's charging out he gets a wrap around the body like you know Whitey's nowhere near the ball sometimes you're going to fall over when you get a big hit like that when you're, you're leaning forward and you're trying to drive through his tackle I don't know. I, I don't think Langan stitched him up anyway. Really? Jeez, I don't know. I think he did. And here's an example I was talking about, the press and the kick out um, against the wind, right? So Donegal pressed the kick out. So in the first half, Began took a kick out to McInesby, who moved it down to Conor McCarthy, who scored a point. This point was scored in about seven seconds mm. because Donegal had pressed up and when Began found his target, oh shit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it does make sense. That was one point that stuck out for me going with a gale force wind like that pressing a kick out is madness but again do you wonder do some teams just think right we press the kick out and that's it I honestly think that a gale force wind ripped the script up yeah. this is not a normal day days football do you know what I mean this is what just because we, we're in the habit of doing these things that doesn't mean that it, we'll do that today yeah I genuinely think um some teams need to think about it like this goes down to club level as well if, if there's a gale force win which there usually is in February, March sometimes April you should start to even thinking about your team like you know changing it around if you're going to be with the gale force win yeah. like you know I know I'm wing forward dropping back a lot of the time and sometimes we've been playing with a wind in the first half and you're going to have all the dominance and sometimes I'm actually thinking 
Jesus, a great player on the bench there who could boom one over from 50 yards, which yeah, I'm not yeah, going yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah, would yeah. you not be better just... I never said yeah. it, obviously, but they would be better bringing him in and letting him sort of yeah. swing it over. But it would be mad. And we, we normally play a sweeper with a gale force win. We, do we need yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Do we need to give them a sweeper? Yeah. Let's make sure they give... They change their team around for the sweeper. So that makes no sense. Like you said, do we need a working half forward? Let's play through the half forward line and actually take you know yeah. take the game to them. I don't see enough evidence of that because let's be honest, that that uh, forecast was well known. So you know you're going to have a gale force wind in one of the two halves. Let's actually pack our forward line for the win- for the half yeah. we have with the wind and try and put this game to bed. Yeah, like the, Kieran Thompson and Paddy McBurdy swung over two long range ones and it looks so effortless for them and you're thinking like, geez, that could be happening more often here because as you say, when you've got a big wind like that, you are more or less closer in than you actually are with a wind like that on yeah. your back. You have to put it up and get it accurate. But no, it definitely I, makes sense. I could see why Monaghan pressed up for that, for that big and black card because they were six points down at the time. They are a man down sort of thinking we need to squeeze keep them inside like we have the win yeah. and then Patton obviously just does that Aye, and, were, and they knew Patton was kicking into a huge yeah. win so like I mean it was a calculated risk it wasn't cra- I saw some people on Twitter saying they'd never seen a press like this before I'd, I've seen Kerry do it to Dublin in Crow Park yeah. which is much riskier in much higher stakes games that's crazy talk uh, yeah, and like that no, was just a regular press like it was a press where you leave forwards up there unmarked and they had the advantage of knowing it was a gale force win that had died down a bit Kerry did that without any wind in Crow Park against Dublin. Yeah, 2016, and then Dublin started copying it, and then other teams have done it since. And like, it's just usually you have time to get back. Like, the keeper isn't supposed to be marking the full forward. Normally, the halfback will drop back to full. You know, you'll yeah. have time to shift back by the time the ball gets there. But Patton's was a freak; it just went the whole way through. Yeah, Kerry Mayo game was a weird game in that both teams played much better with the wind. It can happen sometimes, but it is unusual. Let's be honest. Kerry used the wind. Uh, or played into the wind uh, brilliantly and should have had the game to bed. James Horan said after the game, we were standing off a little bit and ultimately that's what cost us the game. I just can't comprehend why Mayo would be standing off Kerry. They've just been hammered down in Clarny the year before. There's a bit of niggle between the two teams. What are Mayo playing at if they think they can just stand off Kerry? And again, like that, that whole playing the elements, like, like they're coming against a big breeze. Like it's, it's harder if you're in their faces. They can't kick it. It, you know they have to run the ball anyway, so push up on them rather yeah. than push like dropping back and, and that's letting Mayo's them come up game. The pitch. That's Mayo's yeah. game to do that. It doesn't make sense. And Higgins just completely went to. Sleep. It's not a good sign when you see someone like Keith Higgins just tracking Minahan and then just deciding I'm just going to stop tracking him. <laughs> that is not what Mayo do. That is not what any team that is in any way serious about winning anything does. That's not what any club team does. You cannot be tracking a man. And then just decide, I'm going to stop tracking him. That's what Higgins did. And I don't want to be too critical of Higgins because it's not usually his form. But is, does it, is there a deeper malaise going on there like for Higgins just to decide, ah, I've tracked him enough now. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, like, no, that's a good point. On Mayo, like I was wondering that, like, is there something just sort of set in, or even maybe it was just for this game, like you know, just weren't at the pitch of it. You saw the players just running through, and when that happens more and more people switch off and like, like sometimes it only takes a second or two and a player's gone the way Moynihan was and like, I just I just don't think Mayo brought like, I don't know what they're expecting Carrier in town they're in Castle Bar they need to win now more than ever like they should be up to that pitch but they weren't and it wasn't just Higgins it was a few of them that were just sort of lacklustre about following their men yeah no it definitely was like I mean Clifford's penalty it was a clear penalty on Moynihan that was the lead up to it with Higgins um, he struck the penalty you could say he struck it too well and it came back but he could have had another penalty only he was too honest altogether like James McCormick pushed him when he cut, when yeah. he cut the ball I'd have, been, I'd have been making more of that contact you've just missed a penalty yeah do you know what I mean that was a soft push though wasn't it it was just a little yeah but you fall forward with that and you've got your pen on you think so like, yeah. just... he could have even let on he was foot blocked do you know the way he actually pulled out of the kick yeah made him, maybe the push made him not kick it like that's Probably a penalty if you're put off not being able to kick it. I've seen it before. Like obviously, when someone's going to kick and you push him, you usually get the penalty. But I just thought it was a little, it's just a little nudge like I'm coming over to tackle you know as well. I, I, I don't it, made, know. I, it made him stop kicking. I think if Clifford had have fallen down there, we'd be talking about Clifford falling down there under that soft context. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe it's hard. To, <laughs> it's hard to know. But like, I mean, he couldn't get the shot off. That's the point I'm making. Yeah. If, he, if he if he was just pushed like that and bounced it and moved again you'd say there's nothing in that but when he he was 
you know, setting up to kick and the push made him just let the ball drop and not kick. I would be more in line of saying that there must have been something a little bit more in that. What about poor Jordan Flynn? Not only did he get two red cards in two of his first three games, the highlights showed him kick it the <laughs> dreadful wide. <laughs> I saw this. I was so. I was like, "What is happening? Like, are are he never shows this? Like, just randomly." I, I was thinking, then, are they going to show a series of wides and show how Mayo were wasteful? Yeah. No, they just put poor Jordan Flynn's dis- desperate effort just at a point, a twenty-yard wide, and then back to the back to the normal play. Like, you know, are he rarely even show like a, a bad foil or you know a red card moments? They just show score, 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 yeah. a bit of analysis, but they, sh- they just show Jordan Flynn and then cut back to the rest of the show. <laughs> so weird <laughs> lousy on a young yeah. fella like I'm she's Jordan Flynn I, I don't know the fella can't catch a break <laughs> at the moment he just he just can't he's had a serious uh, baptism into inter-county senior football what did you make of Ushin Mullins Black he, he pleaded innocence after it but he knew exactly what yeah. he was doing there he started crawling backwards to, <laughs> to strip him up it actually reminded me his reaction reminded me of uh, Ryan Wiley as well just like you know you knew what you were doing yeah. you've given the ref a decision to make like yeah, like I appreciate the effort, but no, not today. No, definitely not. And Higgins, Jesus, Higgins really, if they drew it, I don't think it probably would have been a fair reflection because yeah. Peter Keane said after the game, I felt we were going to hold on here today. And James Horan didn't really say after the game that the t- he thought they deserved um, a draw based on their first half performance, but they could have drawn it. That's the reality of it. Yeah. But that was a bad miss, really, because that was, wasn't that hard of a chance. No, like, it, was, it was actually worrying enough for Kerry like, to be so dominant and then to be clinging on like that and like getting out of jail with, with a bad miss at the end. And Pat Spillane was highlighting, <laughs> he talked about Kerry's awful defensive record, but then said their defence is class now because, because he watched this game. And he was showing like, the straight line of like, the four players, and like, that's bad. Like, that's. That's sort of textbook bad defending if you're trying to get more bodies back because all that takes, even though there's four players there, just beat one of them and you're through. You sort of want them staggered. So if you beat one, somebody else can come in or you can't right. push knowing that somebody's behind you. Right. But they had four in a line that you can still just go by yeah. and like, that's what happened. And more. he gave, and he gave it was a Moynihan and Gini credit for being back in their own 21. Like, I mean, that's not where you want those <laughs> two. Like, I mean, I, he, he's gassed. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Like, I mean, he's, I, his analysis, I, I don't think his analysis is very strong. Um, you know at the moment and yeah that's definitely an example of that like I mean give me a break you know if <laughs> yeah. that's the last thing you want is those lads back there um, you know trying to tackle and stuff like that Not definitely not Gini anyway so yeah that was it. That was de- definitely an interesting one like I said I was at the Leash Kildare game showed highlights of this actually RTE it's in League Sunday fantastic I have to just yeah. say isn't it brilliant now that those few changes that we've been crying out for Joanne's an excellent presenter. They start off the show with a game that wasn't on television. And yeah. you're like, I, I, when I see that, I just go, ah, oh, lovely. When you're at your freshest, yeah. there's a game you haven't seen and you're, it's the one you're crying out for. And I saw at the Leash Kildare game, they didn't even have a gantry set up. They had two cameras over at the top of the terrace. But it looked much more professional than they, they had been doing it. Do you remember where you, was, you see they had two cameras? So maybe one is on a wide and the other is, you know, yeah. I think they were sending one camera, which just made it look, I don't know, whatever way they're doing it now, that even the Leash Kildare highlights, even though I was at the game and I saw that it wasn't a huge operation they had over there, but it still looked, you know, the highlights worked perfectly, you know, that kind of way. But again, starting to show off with the game that uh, wasn't on the television, they run through the stuff pretty quickly. I think the Sunday game will be much improved Sunday game this year. I, I would love to see Joanne doing it, but she won't. It'll be back to Des Cal, who I think just, I think he ruins those yeah. shows. Honestly, yeah, they really do. Isn't it light to the point, you know, snappy with Joanne as the present? Like, I know she can't do everything. Yeah. But I would love to see her doing the Sunday game. Yeah, Des actually makes me feel nervous. because he Oh, he does. He makes you feel uncomfortable and, yeah. and he makes me squirm at home. Yeah, like I'm not like I've stepped into your seat a few times, and I don't think I'm a great presenter. But like he actually gives us a sort of aura of that he's worried about what's happening, and he's worried about what's going to be said. And yeah. he never seems to be just like Joanne seems so relaxed and so comfortable, and she's moving through it with a nice pace to it. Yeah, all. and then she's able to say, like, I mean, yeah, is is this new president? Is he not now a yes man from the from the you know? Uh, yeah, that, she pull that, people that, up. Pull people. She pulls that up. Des would be like. No, Liz, you know, some people might say, you know, no, 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 no we, we don't know this is true now, you know. Yeah, second-guessing himself. Second-guessing, and he'd be apologising to the GA when yeah. he's saying it. And it's just like, what? 
And then t- I mean, that's what he would do. Tomas, you wanted to point out uh, Kerry's uh, attacking Mark. Yeah, I want to talk about Kerry's attacking Mark here. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. It's like, why did you know that, Des? Like, but yeah. anyway, look, we're, we're picking on him now. But no, maybe I don't want to go over the top on Des, but like, I do think that the Sunday game would benefit definitely from Joanne doing it. Yeah, and like League Sunday is, is class now. And actually, one of the things I love they're starting with a game that we haven't seen but then when it got to say Dublin Tyrone which we, there's a full package here. you can go watch that on the RT player if you want it's short it's condensed it's just clip 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 gone like you know you don't need to go over this whole thing again just because they have the footage so they've actually condensed the games that are on for a full game yeah. that you can go watch yeah no they're smart enough definitely the improvements have not gone unnoticed so fair play to them so Kildare look, Kildare won 15-10 they could have been 15 three up at half time I mean they completely dominated um, Leash there's no doubt destroyed Leash on Leash's kickouts. Leash kicking into the wind Kildare with a big press and Corbett in the Leash goals constantly going out to Feely and Mulek who are just two monsters of men and Leash don't have a good fetch in midfield they're just pinned in for the whole of the first half Kildare played really well um, we know that Kildare I've said it a whole of times even though Jared Brennan and Kieran McKeever don't agree with me they don't give Kildare too much credit I think they're, they're a very good team at Division 2 level very very good team and they were way way too strong for Leash they had 9 wides in the first half um, I think they scored 9 points and had 9 wides or 8 it was 8-4 eight, at half time they could easily have been 15-16 um, they played very well played through the half forward line like I mean um, Paddy Brophy played very well and Paul Cribben was very wasteful with his shooting but to just you know when you have a big wind and the temptation is just to be lamping it in they weren't they were moving it through the lines nicely and Brophy and Cribben were on a lot of ball and they had that presence on the half forward line Leash have no half forward line zero they have no half forward line so again there's a big disconnect and there's these hopeful balls kicked in and you get it into Evan O'Carroll and you're hoping he'll do it and he was very well marshalled and when he's well marshalled Leash look to me like they have zero kind of other way or plan B so like I mean even Daniel Flynn was marked well by uh, Piggott he got a, he got on a good few balls but he was wasteful but look it was terrible conditions um, so you're not going to be too too harsh on him but yeah it, it's important to say Kildare were by far and away the best team but the win did not only die down it changed direction <laughs> yeah the win never won anybody a game except Kildare when they were playing Leash yeah did you, did, go on have you anything to say no, on I that I just say suddenly Leash are needing a result now as well because they're one point off, off that's the relegation the, the Clare result was a disaster for yeah. Leash yesterday and it wasn't expected like I mean you would have been thinking Clare were going to go down and they wouldn't be able to catch Leash now Leash have to go away to Fermanagh and Westmeath so like I mean they're not definitely staying up at all it's just they, what are Cavan doing they do your head in like I mean that just just after three great wins in a row just beat Clare at home lads yeah. beat them at home they couldn't go and beat Clare at home after three brilliant wins in a row <laughs> you just can't make it up with these teams but uh, oh yeah what was I going to say oh yeah in the programme I thought it was funny Robbie Piggott was uh, interviewed and Paddy Brophy was interviewed as well he was asked who his favourite player is um, Robbie Piggott he says uh, Brendan Murphy with an X beside it so I thought that was uh, I thought that was a nice little answer in the programme yeah so that's it we don't know when Fermanagh Armagh is going to be uh, going to be fixed it wasn't fixed at the time of us coming into the studio here so we don't know when it'll have to be a midweek game like the, over one fixture they're not going to push the league into April over one yeah. now this fixture has to be played it's not like years ago where the Division 4 teams just wrote them off They'll have to play this because there's no way that Armagh won't be in the shake-up for the, for the promotion or the final. So this game has to be played and Fermanagh could be in the shake-up for relegation. Yeah. So they're going to have to go out on a Wednesday night. So they're going to go three weeks in a row and one game midweek. No, there's no way around that. No, and like right now, a result for Fermanagh yeah, will take them out of the relegation, like one win. Do you know what we're going to put Clare and Kildare back into it? So, like, yeah, there's no way it's not going to have to be played. Yeah. It will have to be a Wednesday night. Yeah, we'll have to key or keep our eye out for that. Right, we'll come back and we'll run through some of the Congress um, motions that were passed. Happiness hit like a train on a track. I don't really know... Jim anymore. Me and him were like best friends when, when we played, you know. He's seen the light of Jesus and uh, I'm still like fighting the devil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the dog days are over, the dog days are done. The horses are coming, so you better run. Run fast for your mother, run fast for your father. 
So we have a new GA president, Conan, not the one we were expecting. Jarlett didn't make it. Jarlett had most first counts. Um, Larry Murphy caught him on the second counts because he's originally from Cork and there's a Jerry O'Sullivan from Cork and those transfers worked in his favour. Transfer system, a little bit harsh, but look, uh, Jarlett didn't make the quota on the first one. So it'll be interesting to see. He's been uh, 30 years in New York. Larry Murphy, so how, what his understanding of the issues on the ground here, that's up for debate. He's going to move home for the three years. So he's, um, he's not going to be president for another year. I think there's like yeah. a, a year handover. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. He's been very critical of the GPA in the past, called them pirates. Um, and obviously criticising his fundraising we spoke about that on the show here before that he criticises GPA for taking potential fundraising money from um, from the New York kind of thing he was interviewed after it and he says that his goal was to solve the fixtures and I was thinking what an outdated like slogan what do you want to be solving the fixtures we just had a fixture review that's what John Horan tried to do <laughs> how are you going to come in and solve the fixtures when hopefully after this year's special congress in September we'll have fixed the fixtures yeah, before you what, come in what's yours so easy to throw that out isn't it like oh, I'm going to fix the fixtures and then without getting too critical of him he hasn't even started in the job this is what he says which I just can't comprehend this he says now the fixtures review committee have come out with a very good plan I think and I've said this to all the county boards I went to visit they've identified five weekends in the middle of summer in the best months of the year June, July and August they've moved things around to identify, identify these as club only and there is going to be a time earlier in the season and a time late in the year to play other club games if you give certainty of fixtures to players, they can organise their GA life and organise their real life around those fixtures. Now, I looked at those quotes going, what the hell is he on about? They haven't... There's, there's, there's three new championship restructure proposals and each one has, uh, has either a spring uh, club window or it has those gaps in the season. So they haven't decided that that's the new structure. So you've gone around to all your counties campaigning on something that's not even coming true. And I actually asked someone who was on the, that committee um, what's going on with this? Has that been decided? And he said they're going to recommend the spring window option. They're not even going to recommend the option that this lad thinks, oh they, they've come up with this ingenious idea. <laughs> yeah. That they're actually come across saying, going to say that that's actually a little bit too difficult and that's not what they're going to recommend. So this isn't a great start um, from from Larry, as far as I'm concerned. No, I and I heard uh, about a week before I think that's Cahill. Sorry, just to cut you off, Jarlett's all over this kind of stuff. Yeah, do you see that's you know that's it. Like I heard uh, Des Cahill interviewed all the candidates about a week ago, and to be honest, like most of them didn't really have much substance to what they were saying. It was stuff like fix the fixtures. It was like yeah. great, great, like how what, what's your plan? Like you know, again, as you say, they're already in the process of doing that. Whereas Jarlath had three clear things he wanted to do, and we know like how involved Jarlath is, what a what a great club man he is, and how logical he is as well as a thinker. Yeah. So even like I, I didn't agree with Jarlath. He was talking about he wanted to go to two training sessions a week for for uh, county teams during the league to give uh, clubs more time with their players. And I was sort of thinking, how are you going to do that? But you know that he's 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 thought about it. He's got the stats to back it up. He was talking about this won't take away from the county game. He's got a report to show that you know we can do forty percent less training and the players will still be hitting the same heights. He's thought all this through, like, and he's somebody I would trust to disagree with. You know, because yeah. you know that he's he's actually acting in the best interest of what's for everybody. So it's a, it's a real shame that he, he didn't get. Through. It is a shame. It is a shame that you know he's he's. He's definitely up to date with all the issues and like you say, has every time he comes on the show, we, I, there's a lot of times I don't agree with him and I wouldn't agree with him on those training things yeah. either. I'd be the same as you. But look, at least he'll argue it um, in, in, a, you know, in a way that might make, give you food. For, you know what I mean? Food for talk. Because like you said, he's done, he's done his homework on it. And his reasoning behind it is he's actually thinking he's acting in the best interest of everyone. So, like again, you trust that that he that he's doing right. And I was up uh, did a video with him and his, his club before the congress, and I was up in Silverbridge, and it's unbelievable. Like what what they put together up there. Like this this place is a tiny. It's not even a village. It's not a village status. It's got forty houses, and um, they've got a three, over a three million pound development of a clubhouse there and you, you chat to them and like you know, everybody would talk about how much the Jarlov has been involved and he's still the club secretary it's just like everything about this man's life spoke that he should be the GA president and he would have been great for everybody but. Yeah. well look listen we wish Larry the best yeah. but there is, the, there is that lingering thought that he's the yes man that the current 
management wanted to come into the job and Jarlett might have been a little bit radical mm. and a little bit too forward thinking because to me would would Jarlett Burns have signed a new league sponsorship deal when potentially could there could be no league next year I doubt he would have would Larry McCarthy he probably would have looked to see what they did before and continued on do you know what I mean doing the same thing over and over again if you're if you're a lifer administrator that tends to be the thing that you end up doing but look we'll hold this we'll hold this space and see how Larry gets on the back pass um, snuck in there um, I've no problem with this coming in here it's to be honest with you there's a, I, I <laughs> There's so many drama queens on Twitter, it's incredible. I saw one tweet where a fella says he's walking away from the GEA. <laughs> no more, he said, over this. So this is, so you receive, a, then there's other people thinking up of ways around this where you, you put the full back in goals to take the well, kick Well, actually, I've got some experience with this. Remember I told you that I played in goals last year for one half? And kickouts were terrible, so the fullbacks said, get out of the way, I'll take it. But I went short to get a short off him. Right. And the ref blew me up because I wasn't allowed outside my area. So there is a way around that. The keeper can't be outside the area to receive the ball, so the fullback would still have so to So you're kick down it. a man. Yeah. You'd be down a man, yeah. So that meant there's nothing in that. Then. And you can't kick right. it short and give it back to the, you know what I mean? Okay. So, like, I mean, that, that this is basically this rewards the team that's pressing. Right, and there was some work done on this on Kieran Dealey's new website, Dealey Sports Science, and they did some stats on this. And approximately eight percent of kickouts have been returned to the goalkeeper during the Division One games so far in the league. So you'd be interested in to hear Galway are the worst culprits at fifteen percent, Tyrone fourteen, Donegal didn't do it at all. They've never done it. So, like, I mean, why is there such outrage over something that happens very rarely, and that? the odd time that it does happen then I suppose you could make the argument and say why bring it in if it happens yeah, very rarely yeah that's sort rarely. of what I was thinking but yeah. I suppose if, if, if it rewards the team that's trying to be more you know uh, aggressive what's wrong you know what, what's wrong with it yeah I, again I just thought like is this, is this necessary do we, do we need it in the game like is it really that offensive to see a keeper coming out is aggressive like it's but that it's can risky. still happen that just can't happen from the one-two from the goal kick. Yeah, like the, go, the, the, the goalkeeper can absolutely come out. No one's stopping him. And Graham Brody, most of the times he headed off, were not from one-twos from kickouts. Mm. He came onto the play. Like Niall Morgan, Roy Begg, and all these guys, they can all still come out. Again, that's an extreme view to rubbish something. Nobody wants to see the end of goalkeepers, nor will we see the end of Niall Morgan's a loose cannon. Graham Brody's a loose cannon. Rory Began is not a loose cannon, but likes to come out and has a great kick. That's not going to stop those. Yeah. Well, that's fair, but I think it's an extreme view to just say, like, just stop stop that entirely. Like, I don't, I don't get what the problem was going back to the keeper. Like, actually, my biggest complaint about GA is when the ball's not in play. Like, I love when, when it actually we get it going again faster. So sometimes that's the keeper kicking it out and then going and we're going but back the time, up the pitch. But the time he goes faster is the time someone's there to go to without being under pressure. The, the problem is, and I do think it is, it's not good to look at, is if there's a great big press, you're trying really hard, then one lad breaks free really quickly. He chips it to the goalkeeper, or the goalkeeper chips it to him. He immediately gives it back to the goalkeeper. He's being marked. Now everyone has a man, and the goalkeeper's just soloing out with it. Do you know what I mean? Wondering what to do with it. I don't, that's, not ide- it's, that's not ideal, right? So maybe it will encourage more long, uh, long kicking, more contests... What, does, what gets the crowd off their seats? Contests. Man-on-man contests. They don't necessarily get off their seat to see it chipped with a lad back to the goalie and now solo and out uncontested. It's like the crowd are going, you know, this is a bit boring. Yeah, like I, I know what you mean and I know like your point is the keeper can still get the ball. Like The crowd get off their feet for Began, pinging passes against yeah, Dublin. And he still can, yeah, he still he can still do that. Yeah, but he has to come on to it. It's, it just makes it harder for the keeper to come on to because he has to get it off two men here marked, yeah. which is unlikely. I think I think the game is turning back in a, a more exciting way anyways. Like, I mean, I, I don't think this is a big one. Yeah, um, you're, you're right. This isn't a big one. That's probably where the frustration comes from is that people are probably annoyed that there's always something. Like, you know, like look at Hurling. <laughs> they just yeah. gather together to, to rule out the black card because they think there's no cynicism in Hurling. But with football, it's always just, there has to be some sort of input in it and I don't think it was that... People are required. annoyed about people are annoyed about the mark. Um, there was an advance mark amendment um, that was made in that an opposition 
it allows the opposition to tack a player immediately if he wins a mark inside the large or small rectangle and elects to play on. That was obviously the loophole in that, which was bizarre stuff. I saw Daniel Flynn in a Moor Park yesterday catch a mark into his belly. Like for me, that's not a mark, mm. but he didn't put his hand up anyways. But I was actually talking to a friend of mine at the game yesterday. And do you know what? Like if they don't want, if they don't want to change the mark from being inside the 45, do you know a very easy amendment to the mark? has to be a catch over your head. We'd see less of them, but it's a good... Any catch over your head is a much more difficult catch. If somebody's running behind you, it's a very difficult catch. Wouldn't that be a much easier amendment? Yeah. And what pisses people off is this little crappy catch into your belly. Yeah, the least like Mannix could catch a ball into his <laughs> belly. He's only turned three. But at least with that, it's black and white. It's a, it's a kick and you, you catch it. You know, whereas you catch over your head, then it's like, oh, was that over the head? Was ah, that it's over very the clear head? what's over your head, mate. Yeah, is it? Is, is it not? It? I don't know. I, I don't know. We've been talking about this in a, in a few... Well, your hands are up over your head. <laughs> <laughs> How clear are you? What happens if you catch it just in front of your, your face? Well, just, that's just not over your in head. In front of your forehead? It's just, the ball has to be above eye level. <laughs> right? Okay, look, I'm just trying to think of a way around this, event, Mark, because to me, to me that's, the, that's the shittiest little rule that's come in in a while. And I feel bad about saying that, but that... Cause, it was my idea to begin with, but it's just not. It's, that's terrible, some of these marks. And without going too much into that. Yeah, I saw the ref in, uh, in the Mayo Kerry game gave a mark, but they ended up just ignoring it. He blew the whistle for, I think it was Ganey or somebody like that caught it, but they wanted to play on. Oh, yeah. And you could see people sort of pausing and it did affect the play a little bit. Kerry still got the score, but he automatically thought, Mark, I'll blow it. I noticed that. I noticed that. All right. So the Tier 2 Football Championship has been uh, named. It's called the Talton Cup. Um... That's fine. I've no problem with that. It's a Park Talton has already used up that name, but that's not the end. Of, that's not the end of the world. Hopefully, Mead will never have to play for it. Um, for anybody from Mead listening, but this is the thing. I don't want this to be called the Talton Cup, anyways. The All Ireland is not called the Sam Maguire Cup. The Sam Maguire is the cup that you receive for winning the All Ireland, and that same principle has to be applied to this uh, other All Ireland because this is an All Ireland, and it has to be called an All Ireland. And the cup that you receive for winning that All-Ireland is the Talton Cup. If you go around calling this the Talton Cup, it's just a nonsense novelty cup. Am I right or wrong? Yeah. Like if you win an intermediate county title, you win a county title. You win a junior, you win a junior county title. So this Tier 2 is an All-Ireland. It's a Tier 2 All-Ireland. All-Ireland 2. And the the cup you receive is the... They brought the Talton Cup around to the schools. Isn't that lovely? But they didn't win the Talton Cup. They won the, the All-Ireland too. Do you get me? There's a, I, some people might listen to that and say, oh, that's, that's only semantics. It's not. That's very, very important to, for players to win an All-Ireland. They're winning an All-Ireland, not winning a, a Talton Cup. Yeah, I know what you mean, but I don't think this is going to save the day. If, if that's like... I think it will give it a lot more prestige if it's referred to as an All-Ireland. You have to win. An, you're winning an All-Ireland like you're winning a county title at all those levels. You know, like, I mean, the Tommy Murphy Cup, like if that was called an All-Ireland, like, I mean, players want to win All-Irelands, players want to win county titles, they don't care the level, it's a county title, this is an All-Ireland, do yeah. you get me? I was, I was genuinely happy like, that it wasn't a, a GA legend's name, like Tommy Murphy, one of the greatest GA legends of all time, and like, you know, his name, his name wasn't smeared, but like his name being associated Didn't with Didn't do his name yeah, any, any good, I suppose, People yeah. sort of scoffed at, like, you know, it, it wasn't a good thing, um... Yeah, like, I, I don't know what you're saying, but yeah, I don't think that's that's going to be the saving of this uh, no, this, this idea. You, no, you're right. The saving of it will be promotion. And John Horan is saying it's vital the marketing and promotion of it's my, vital the marketing and promotion of this new competition delivers. In addition to having its own all star selection, it is our intention to have the semi finals and the final of the Talton Cup. Don't like that yeah. calling it the Talton <laughs> Cup uh, live on RT from Croke Park. It is our intention. That's not saying it's going to happen. That's saying you're intending it to happen, which, you know, is not absolutely ideal. And it's vital the marketing and promotion of this new competition delivers. Whose responsibility is that on? Is that on RT, Sky, whoever the, the, media, uh, the media companies are? Or is that the GEA? That's the, mm. on the GEA. 
to promote this. It's their competition. And those three games, semi-finals and final, are, are they being taken away from the current deal? Like, you know, are we losing out three games now exactly. in the football? We're not already getting enough. Exactly. Yeah. Is that being taken out? Is this going to be played in half-empty Croke Park? You know, Croke Parks. When is it going to be on? Will it be doubled up with something else? Will it be played before? Would, would, it, would it not be good to play it bring the Joe McDonough Cup forward and have the hurling tier two along with the football tier two and get a better crowd yeah. in Crow Park. Would all, all these things not be ironed out? You see, the, it, that would be difficult because the Joe McDonough Cup winners get back into the All-Ireland uh, series so it would probably be too early maybe in the year for that to happen. Well, I read concerns about uh, Dublin's, we'll get on to this, the, the Crew Park game and, you know, the idea that if they're not playing a Crew Park then the Talton Cup final, the All-Ireland 3 final won't be a crew park potentially because it was supposed to be on before a Super 8 game. Which again, like the fact that you would even think about putting it on before a Super 8 group game, a, a quarter-final group match like that, desperate. that's when it becomes Talton Cup. Desperate. And not an All-Ireland that final. That is desperate. That should be on the Saturday before the All-Ireland yeah, football. And I Sunday. think so, yeah. And that's when it should be on. On All-Ireland fin- final weekend when everybody's up in Dublin and the build-up happens and people might say that it's, it would be potentially... Uh, dwarfed by the All-Ireland the, the Division 1 uh, All-Ireland Final I'm going to say Division 2 All-Ireland Final that the Division 1 All-Ireland Final it would but it's the GA series about promoting it then maybe it shouldn't and listen if you're up for the All-Ireland Weekend wouldn't it be great to go to Croke Park yeah. the day before for a dry run have a few points look at the Division 2 All-Ireland Final who the winners received the Talton Cup I'm, <laughs> it's the only way I'm going to refer to it from now on do you know it should be on the Saturday and yeah. that's that, I think that would be giving it the prestige that, that it deserves and on television obviously as well I agree um, so Dublin Super 8's one um, if Dublin make the Super 8's this year they could play twice outside Croke Park after the motion it was motion 19 90% support wow <laughs> but I suppose this is the big thing the way they've done this they've done this very well um, I'm not sure where the motion came from so instead of it being Dublin can't play their home game in Croke Park because it's not their home ground that would be the big one Right, so now they're saying you can play neutral games outside Crow Park, so they'll go fill Turles with with Dublin or something now because Dublin weren't filling Crow Park with these Super Eights anyways. Mm. So they're not really losing out; they're smart enough. Whereas if Dublin if Dublin had to play their home game in Parnell Park, they'd be losing out on a lot of money. Am I being overly cynical here? No, you, no, you're being. They've right. extended the neutral to make it not Dublin's home ground neutral yeah. to make it a, a provincial neutral ground but they've kept it flexible so in the event that Dublin are playing Kerry or Mayo for that game that they can still go to Crow Park right which we'd all probably end up complaining about then anyway but like from the GA point of view they're thinking we can still get 60,000 people in so <laughs> we'll keep that option open yeah and their home obviously Kerry and Mayo would never complain about that because they, there is a psychology to that that if you're admitting going to Crow Park against Dublin is a disadvantage that's not the message you need to hear you yeah. know, the, it's not for the very top teams to complain about um, complain about that even though they would be right if they did so that's it that's, that's kind of all the other ones club games to 70 minutes was defeated Jeez. Colin you'd be happy to hear I'm so delighted <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was up and I was like oh my god when yeah. I saw like I think somebody had tweeted about it going they're now voting on this and I was like spat me to you yeah but that's the thing and everybody and while you know when rules come in and everybody says what about the club game like I never really go along with that but I was thinking what about junior football or intermediate <laughs> yeah, football exactly. how the hell are people meant to you know that is a big and you add injury time onto that as well and the extra time with the subs you're looking 77 minutes for a club match <laughs> you'll be absolutely <laughs> gone right we'll come back with performance of the weekend he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glenroy on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay it was great advice yeah it was <laughs> for you Performance of the weekend, Conan, and Gavin White is first here on my list. He's in his best position, which is the obvious thing, is number seven. And he's, the thing about Gavin White is that he's this straight line runner and has speed coming at the goals. A fella like him 
probably can't adapt to having his back to goal as a wing forward. It's just not in him to do it. You know what I mean? He just can't. He's, he's a man that gets ahead of steam and runs at the goal and catches up on play and breaks lines. Jack McCaffrey can do that and he has Jack McCaffrey electric pace and the more you think about it, it wasn't a crazy Kerry ever playing him anywhere other than number seven, really. Like he's just, he's such a weapon um, I was actually if Kieran McKeever had been here I was saying like if there was a transfer market the likes of Armagh might be going for a Gavin White you know or a Jack McCaffrey someone that's dangerous off the half back line that I'm not sure Armagh have um, he was brilliant last week against Mead as well even though the highlights didn't show him up brilliantly the analysis they did on him afterwards mm. just showed him you know just electrifying pace coming on causing all sorts of problems Yeah it is a, such, a, such a different role isn't it like wing forward and wing back and not only does he get to see the play, he doesn't have to win ball of his back to goal. He gets a start from the 45 and just go. Yeah. And it's a, his move is a start and an end, whereas if he's wing forward, he's tracking back, he's tackling, and then he's going. Yeah, and somebody could actually follow him tracking back. Exactly. So he doesn't have that free run of it, you yeah. know? So, like, I mean, it does, tactically, it makes so much more sense um, having him back there. But, like, he will give them an extra dimension there. There's no doubt. Of Did you notice Clifford staying with him? On the, on the highlights when he broke once Clifford was on that break and Clifford stayed with with Gavin White's pace imagine is there anything Clifford can't do no I don't think there is like, I never realised how fast he was until you see him burning some cornerbacks who you know were really fast I always thought it was in his head but then yeah. like when he can go over 20 metres he can he can go like, you know, he's electric as well unbelievable unbelievable Michael Langan absolutely unbelievable I love well, Michael Langan is that he's effortless at everything he does he's never under too much pressure someone could be tackling him and he's not really paying attention a bit like David Moore and we laugh at sometimes even though he's a different player than David Moore he's like a, a big tall forward playing in midfield isn't yeah. that kind of what he's like he's like an extra forward um, on the field long range points we know he's brilliant at them left and right great runner potentially Darren Hughes dropping off being a sweeper all the time might not have you know helped uh, Monaghan's cause when you have someone like Michael mm. Langan in midfield I'm not saying they were directly marking each other but they're a man down in midfield probably when Hughes does that it was just a massive, massive game from him. Like, even before he scored, I think he had won about four or five kickouts before yeah. he got his first point, and he ended up scoring five points. But, uh, like, yeah, he just seemed to know where they were going. A lot of them weren't even over his head. He wouldn't have got a mark for them. <laughs> he was catching a lot in his chest just by reading them and going at them aggressively. Um, yeah, like, absolutely brilliant. And him and McFadden have a real good partnership going there as well, where he was going with McFadden a lot and then playing off him because McFadden's this big bull attracting three men to him and then Langan was making those darting runs yeah like brilliant performance they have options in midfield now because when Jason McGee gets back into the mix like I'm not sure to shuffle things around that all three of them play I think you just have three options for midfield like Dublin do when you you, you take off uh, one of them on 50 minutes after running themselves into the ground and you bring somebody else on wouldn't that be the kind of way because uh, we know McFadden plays the role of sweeper when needed and maybe depending on the opposition, who do I need here? I have three. Mm. It's important to have that kind of almost squad. And you say to whoever's not playing, look, today's not your day. Well, actually, Langan would play every day. I would be alternating McFadden and McGee. And I would be saying, look, uh, I need you for 20 minutes. The next day, we'll, if we need to change things around, you know, we'll, we'll use somebody else. Yeah, and like they already have enough help out there with Michael Murphy and Kieran Thompson. You know, so they've got enough bodies at one time they don't need a th- another with Jason McGee in there on top yeah, of Yeah, no, exactly. Right, Niall Morgan. Uh, incredible stuff. I was watching the first half. He went running up the field and tried to kick a ball from play 45 metres out wide. And I went, that lad is a liability coming out here. <laughs> and then he kicked the great scores in the second half and I went, Jesus, that was phenomenal. The one that had the big curl on it and then the other one that was even further out. Mm. And then I really liked even the free that he took that was close in where he just whacked it as far as he could into the wind and let the wind bring it yeah. back in and around. So, like, I mean, he, would, he had an excellent performance against Kerry um, before. Listen, Niall Morgan's a unique type of character in that he's a goalkeeper that just loves the spotlight being on him. You know, <laughs> yeah. you just know by him that's, that's the, I'm not saying it's a, I'm not saying that as a critique of him. He's a bit of a character yeah. and he likes to play kind of to the crowd and he, he enjoys being the main man. It's not easy for goalkeepers to be the main man but if there's anything close enough for a goalkeeper being the main man, he, him and Graham Brody, even though Graham Brody wouldn't have that personality at all. Yeah, like, look, I, I like confident players and especially like my goalkeepers to be confident, like, you know, bordering on not arrogance, but like just being sure of themselves. Like, and yeah. he, he definitely is that. Like, the worst thing I want in a goalkeeper is somebody who's shitting themselves. And 
yeah, you're right. Every time Morgan, I think it's inside the forty-five. He's like, he's thinking, I, I could score here. And like that one, he took a shot. He, he actually could have sold and then taken a shot, but he just thought, bang, I'm going for it, and he hit it wide. Wild a shot. Yeah, the freeze were amazing. But um, but what he does when he's running out is that he, he, he goes for it, like, and it, that draws people. And then when he's popping it off, he's actually freed somebody up. Yeah, like you see Shane Ryan's mistake against Mayo. Like he got the ball. And instead of moving, he's still he's, he's out the pitch. There's no need to be out there because he ends up passing it off to somebody who's being marked. You know, so he didn't create an overlap. He didn't yeah. free anybody up. It was pointless. Yeah, isn't it funny when you see how Niall Morgan and Graham Brodie come out, break lines, and cause a bit of panic? It's not necessarily because of the jersey on the back. It's to, to, to highlight how slow some of the defenders work it out sometimes. <laughs> like, how can he move it so fast yeah. and be so positive with it? Whereas defenders go sideways a couple of times and won't bring it out at that pace at all. Am I, uh, would you agree with that? Do yeah. you know what I mean? They just When a goalie comes out, they seem to go for it. Yeah, no, Whereas may- you might be t- like some of the defenders, why don't you go for it like he, <laughs> yeah. like he does? Now, maybe it's because he's coming as a free as man. As a free man, yeah. So yeah. it's easier to go for it and he gets excited. But um, yeah, maybe that's it. Okay, yeah, but look, okay, defenders can be free men too sometimes. I'm not going to completely go back on it. <laughs> um, Paddy Brophy, excellent yesterday. Uh, three from play for Kildare. Uh, like I said, Kildare played through their half-hour line really, really well. Uh, Brophy looks a lot slimmer and a lot more agile than he did in other years. He'd gone off form altogether. But it's interesting that Jack O'Connor is playing him regularly as a wing forward. Now, the minute I see him on the field, I think of Michael Daly for Galway. I think of a big man wing forward, not a worker half forward by any means, a scoring half forward who's just a big man. Do you know? Mm. And like, I mean, there's something in that. And they're, they're not trying to track, track back because that's not Paddy Brophy's game or Michael Daly's game. They're on the half forward line and they're there. And I keep, I'm like a broken record about saying if you don't have a half forward line presence, you might as well forget about it. And Kildare have Cribben and Brophy and the ball moves through them and then they move it on and the lads inside get better ball and tactically Leash had all their half forward line running around it's not a good half forward line anyways and now they have no half forward presence or no look at that presence Paul Cribben and Paddy Brophy they're two big monsters like they're a huge team Kildare and Paddy Brophy definitely seems to have brought his game back to the level where that he probably should be yeah, like, and he's actually he's a really nice passer as well. So it's good. Good football brain, yeah. yeah. So it's good having him out there. Like They were playing him full forward for a while and he wins ball really well, but almost wasted a little bit. You want them out. Like, like That's like a traditional half forward role or like, you know, one of the old, like you'd have a number 12 who can oh, come yeah. into midfield and win some ball for yeah. you. And he's he's doing that. He's a middle third player and pinging passes inside. I think. That, and Cribbins like that too can yeah. drop into midfield if needed. That's a big plus for them. And you're right. But like, isn't it crazy that Paddy Brophy... And Michael Daly playing wing forward, and they're good. They're forwards with forward brains. Yeah. Like, isn't it? Just telling them to play a little bit further up. They know the balls. To, they know how to play half forward. Yeah, and we need those players on the half forward line. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. No, definitely right. Cork hammered. Uh, where Cork were hammering Derry uh, Conan until Kerry made. They were ten points ahead um, after they scored their third goal, which John O'Rourke scored two two. I have him down here as well. Sean po- Potter was uh, excellent as well, according to Master Shea, who was at the game, according to his Twitter. He's playing centre-back now and he's, got, he's brilliant at running onto the ball. Mm. But Derry played everybody um, Derry played everybody behind the ball against the wind. Again, I don't have a problem with that against Cork, against the wind. Packed the defence and they were well in it at half-time. I think there was only four points in it. And then, obviously, Derry left three up then in the second half with the wind. And Cork started finding <laughs> finding holes in it. Is that doing of, that again. <laughs> that's that kind of catch two situation. Yeah. The wind must have turned around actually. <laughs> against the... Don't know how that always happening happens. But I suppose then you look at Derry and you score three eleven, and then they say, "Geez, they can't be too defensive if they score that." But I think they got two two in like the last five minutes. Yeah, oh, they really like they they made that scoring look better than what it was. Um, Derry have Longford now at home in the next game, and that's like must win. They're already looking like they're. They're not them with a chance of getting promoted, but if Down slip up and Derry beat Longford, then they're they're right back in it. But they're also looking over their shoulder, aren't they? Because like I mean, Leitrim are after winning. So I was looking at this Division Two because if Ryan O'Rourke he scored two three against um, Loud, which was a brilliant win for Leitrim, so that puts them up into up to three points, level on points with Tipperary. Tipperary play Offaly next, who are also on five points. Leitrim play Down away, so you'd imagine Leitrim won't get anything out of the Down game, and who will say? Tip, we'll say Tip beat Offaly, 
right? They're on five pints. Offaly are on five pints. Who did you say Derry have? Longford at Long, home. Longford at home. They have to beat them or else they're on five because Leitrim played tip at home in the last game. Now Leitrim can lose the next game against Down if they beat Tip at home in the last game they go ahead of Tip on the head to head now they just have to hope there's no one else on five points or it'll go score difference where, where, do you get me it gets yeah. a little bit complicated but what I'm saying is you want Derry Offaly want to get off that five point mark because Leitrim can get at it and Tipperary can get at it yeah maybe it's my uh, northern cockiness but I was just looking further you're ahead you're looking ahead yeah. and like Derry I think of Offaly in the last game so yeah, Offaly in the last game. They yeah. can look after themselves if they are in bother yeah. rather than stay ahead of Offaly sort of thing. But yeah. um, Well, I think Offaly definitely after yesterday's result and things going so well for them that, you know, they've got tip. If they lost that away, then they have to play Derry and that might be to stay up. Although they'd be on five points. Mm. As long as their score difference isn't worse than Leitrim's, they might be okay. Yeah. Do you get me? So we've we kind of done a roundabout way of... Uh, <laughs> Of figuring that one out. <laughs> Have we figured it out? I even? don't think so. No. <laughs> so that's it. So maybe Leitrim are down then because if they play tip at home, someone else will be around the five point mark that, uh, oh look, I'm just going to... Derry are going up. Who got player of the... Uh, look, Michael Langan. Player, player <laughs> performance of the weekend. Like, I mean, I'm not going to say player of the weekend. Man of the match. Man of the match <laughs> now is player of the match sometimes, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go down that line. Michael Langan, performance of the weekend. Five from play. Outstanding stuff um, from midfield. Absolutely brilliant player who... You just love watching him, don't mm-hmm. you? you just, he plays Gaelic football just gracefully and easily and that's it congratulations to him that's all we've time for we'll be back on Thursday um, we'll preview next weekend's uh, matches and we'll probably have some more news on the, the postponed game as well we'll talk to you then good luck I'm not finished yet it took me a long time to get here both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.